0: Welcome back, this is Alley Cat T, where we talk about all things church-related. My name is Allison C. Holt, and I am your host. Today, we are going to delve into the epistle of John, John the Apostle. John was one of the original 12 disciples, and we are going to talk about the first epistle of John on today. We are going to glean from this epistle and see what John has to tell us about truth and righteousness. Listen, when this epistle was written, it didn't name the author. However, it has been recognized as coming from the apostle John. John is the writer of the gospel. John, St. John, he is the writer of these three epistles, and he is the writer of the book of Revelation. And as I begin to say before, John is one of the original 12 disciples. Now, the epistle is written to a number of churches in Asia where John. Was the, had it was his apostolic responsibility. Those churches were John's apostolic responsibility. Now, John lived in Ephesus, which was the geographic and the num- numerical center of Christian population at that time frame. Now, in Ephesus, John lived to be a great age, and this is where he wrote all of his writings. Now, if you did not know John was Jesus' most intimate earthly friend, listen. As we say today, John was Jesus ride or die, if you <laughs> will. They were best buddies. Now, let's give a little bit of background before we jump into the epistle. Now, after Christianity had been in the world for 60 or 70 years, the Roman Empire became an important entity in religion and had a powerful influence. Now, there were all sorts of efforts to combine the gospel of Jesus Christ with the philosophies of the day and the systems of thought of that time frame. Now, the background issue was that Entrance of Gnosticism. Now you may say, Who are the Gnostics? What is Gnosticism? This was a dangerous cult that was attracted to many individuals in those days. You see, as Christianity spread across the Mediterranean, it came into contact with many other religions. The Greeks and the Romans tried to absorb. The to absorb Christianity into their own philosophy, just as some of the Jews had done in the beginning. Now listen, Gnosticism taught that the spirit. Now listen to this and listen carefully and closely. Gnosticism taught that the spirit and the body were two separate entities. Listen. Sin resided in the flesh only and that the spirit could have its happiness, its bliss, and the body could do as it pleased. The body could indulge in sinful pleasures with no consequences. Listen, hear me clearly. Gnosticism believed that the spirit is one entity and the flesh is another entity so the spirit can have happiness and joy and and bliss while the body itself can do whatever it wanted to do because they were separate. My God from Zion, what a thought process that is. Also, these groups raise questions about Jesus Christ. They wanted to know who was Jesus, who was he, and if he was God, how could he die? Now these questions led to this popular new cult developing an attempt to explain these things. Gnosticism thrived among the intellectual elite of the day. Listen, they asked questions. They wanted to know who was Jesus and if he was God, how in the world could he die? My God from Zion, these were the type of questions that they asked back in those days. The Gnostics believed in the separation of the body from the spirit. The physical body was evil Therefore, a pure God, such as Jesus Christ, could not take on a body. Why would he take on a body? Because, listen, we've already learned that the Spirit is one entity and the body is another. So why would God come down and take a body or take the form of a body, a pure God, at that? They claim that Jesus was never a real human being He was just a phantom A temporary appearance of God Who only looked to be human he, It was an illusion This is what the Gnostics believed To the Gnostics all matter was evil Everything that was in a form of matter was evil only the spirit was pure. Therefore, they sought to uh, rise to a higher, more spiritual plane. Thus, those who strove to rise above matter couldn't care about personal ethics. So, if you're trying to go to a higher plane, which that happens today, look at the witches and the warlocks. Look at uh, Occultism. They're striving to get to a higher plane. Therefore, they don't care nothing about ethics. They don't care nothing about personal matters. They do whatever it takes to get them to a higher spiritual plane. Same thing is going on today. Listen. Does this sound familiar to you? The elite, the intellectual elites, the elite in society are trying to gain a higher level of power through evil sources such as sorcery, such as secret societies, etc. New Age beliefs, which is idolatry. If you did not know, you know now. New Age beliefs are idolatry. Therefore, when you stand before the Father on Judgment Day, you will not be able to say, I did not know. Why? Because I am telling you today. These things are idolatry. Now, let's move on. It appears that John had the Gnostic cult, whom he calls in his writing, Antichrist, in mind when he wrote, the epistle. Throughout the epistle John insists that Jesus was the actual, material, authentic manifestation of God in the flesh and genuine knowledge of God must result in moral transformation. Come on somebody. Now the purpose of the epistle, John's purpose for writing these letters or this letter in particular was twofold. He wanted to expose and dismiss the doctrinal and ethical errors of the false teachers of the day and to exhort his spiritual children to pursue a life of holy fellowship with God in truth and in righteousness. So John is getting down to it. We are going to crush these uh, false beliefs that the spirit and the flesh are two separate entities. We are going to crush these false beliefs that Jesus was just a phantom because he was in the flesh. Come on, these doctrinal ethical errors of the teachers of that day John came to do business with the epistle and we are going to delve into these epistles or and we are going to hear or this epistle I should say we're going to delve into the letters there are three letters and we are going to find out what John had to say because he is going to crush the lies of the devil come on somebody let's get into it John 1. 1 John 1. The first four verses are the prologue. John was asserting that what he proclaimed was the truth about God's Son, the truth about Jesus Christ, was originally witnessed by the apostles who had direct contact with Jesus. John described his proclamation as one which has, we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, and which we have looked at, and our hands have touched. Come on somebody, John was breaking it down. There is no way whatsoever that you can proclaim that Jesus Christ was not truly in the flesh. John is saying we had direct contact with him. We heard him with our ears. We saw him with our eyes. We looked at what we even touched him with our hands. So we are going to shut this a lie down. John directed his first sentences at the heresy with which he was concerned. And that was the beliefs of the night. The Antichrist is what John called them. Brought new ideas. Not those which were from the beginning of the gospel era. Moreover, the experience of the eyewitness centered the denial of the incarnate life of Jesus Christ. Listen, John came in and he came in hot. He was shutting it down in all forms and all So, the introduction to the basics of the principle. John expressed his message that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. Listen, we just left talking about distractions, how we learn that the devil is the father of lies. He created lies and that. He is a copycat. He copies the kingdom of light, which is God, as we are learning here today, God's kingdom. And he made his own kingdom, the kingdom of darkness. Here John is expressing to us that God is light and in him, in him, there is, (coughs) excuse me, no darkness. Yes, John describes God as light. And there is no darkness in him. And as light, God both exposes man's sin and condemns it. If anyone walks in darkness, he is hiding from the truth, which the light reveals. Come on, somebody. If we walk in darkness, we are hiding from the truth. Yes, sir, because light gonna show it up every time. Listen, John says since God is light, no Christian can truly claim communion with God while living in darkness. He said you can't do it. John warned if we claim to have fellowship with God and we walk in darkness John says we are lying, and we do not live in the truth. Come on, somebody. Let's think about this. If we claim to have fellowship with God, who is the God of light? If we claim to have fellowship with him, and we walk in darkness, everything that we do, we sing out our thoughts are dark thoughts. Uh, The things that we do are dark things, Uh, the way we dress ourselves are dark uh, 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 from the dark basically. You know, our whole life is from the dark and we are claimed to have fellowship with Jesus Christ, with God the Father himself. John says that we lie and we do not live in the truth. Come on. Come on somebody. we cannot proclaim spirituality while engaging in the acts of disobedience. We're being disobedient to God the Father. In dealing with a case of incest in the Corinthian church, the apostle Paul presented a list of sins, and you can find that in 1 Corinthians 5, 9 through 13, that the church must avoid. Come on somebody, we can go there if you will. First Corinthians 5 and 9. Paul had to deal with it in the church. And these are sins that he says that we must avoid and we are going to live in the light. My Gotham Zion, I am flipping there, trying to get there quickly. 1 Corinthians 5. Is that First Corinthians 5? It seems like I've got 9, starting at verse 9. Reject evil members of the church. King James Version, and I am going to read it quickly. I wrote unto you in an epistle not to company with fornicators, and we and and you can look these words up if you do not know the meaning. Do not company yourself with fornicators, yet not all together with the fornicators of this world, or with the covetous, or the extortioners, or with the idolaters, or for then must we must ye need go out of the world. But now I have written unto you not to keep company, if any man that is called a brother be a fornicator, or covetous, or idolater, or railer, or a drunkard, or an extortioner, with such one, know not to eat. For what I have I do to judge them also that are without. Do not ye judge them that are within, but them that are without God judge it. Therefore put away from among yourselves that wicked person. My God comes so in other words, don't hang out with these individuals. Why? Because that stuff can jump on you in a sense. Or you'll find yourself, I should say. You'll find yourself being a fornicator. You'll find yourself working idolatry. You'll find yourself being an extortioner. If you hang out with these individuals, you'll find yourself doing the exact things that they do. Therefore, Paul was saying, don't do it. Avoid this. Come on somebody, unfortunately bogus claims to fellowship with God have been a tragic reality reality throughout the history of the church and it's still prevalent today. Listen, bogus claims to have fellowship with God, you're, you're, you're a Christian, but you walk in these other things. Walking in darkness, claim to be a Christian but walk in darkness is basically what John is telling us don't do these things. Do not claim to be a Christian but walk in darkness. A Christian who says he is in fellowship with God but is disobeying him, John says he is lying. He is a liar. Thus. There is only one real way to have communion with Christ, and that is to be in the light. Those who have fellowship with God experience His grace and live lives of holiness in His presence. Now listen, John began to say, a Christian who says he is in fellowship with God, but is disobeying him, that individual is lying. There is only one real way to have communion with Christ. And that is to be in the light. Those who have fellowship with God experience his grace and live lives of holiness in his presence. Also, we, when we as believers are in true fellowship with God, we may be tempted to think or to say that we are at that particular moment free from sin. My God from Zion, don't ever say that you are free from sin. John warned against this conception because we then are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. We all sin and come short of the glory of God, my God from Zion. Thus we must have the truth in our inward parts as we can read in Psalms 51 and 6. God desires us to have the truth on the inside as a controlling, motivating influence. Now if we do not, this kind of self-deception will take place. We will deceive our own selves. We as Christians should be ready at all times to acknowledge any failure. That God has exposed in us by His light. We have to be ready to acknowledge it and to move on in God. First John 19, remember the scripture. If we confess with, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and He is just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Listen, if we confess our sins, God is faithful to forgive us of our sins. Listen, the Bible tells us not to hide our sins. The Bible tells us if we hide our sins that we will not prosper. But if we confess our sins, and if we forsake them, if we turn away from them, Then God will give us mercy. We will have the mercy of God upon our lives. Listen, God says, God will cast all our sins in the sea, in the depths of the sea. Micah 7, 18 and 19 from the expanded Bible reads, there is no God like you. For you forgive those who are guilty of sin. You don't look at the sins of your people who are left alive? You will not stay angry forever because you enjoy being kind. You enjoy being merciful. We're talking. We're talking about God here. You will have mercy on us again. You will conquer our sins. You will throw away all our sins into the deepest part of the sea. You will be true to the people. Of Jacob and you will be kind to the people of Abraham as you promised to our ancestors long ago. Therefore, after a believer sins, he should not deny that sin. Verses 10, which should be read in direct connection, connection with verse 19 states, if we claim we have not sinned, we make him, who is God, out of, out to be a liar, and his word has no place in our lives. When the word of God confronts us about our sin, we should immediately, I put immediately in there, we should immediately admit them rather than to deny them. By contradicting the word, we are rejecting and we are ref- refusing to give it, which is the word, the proper place in our lives. Listen, light stands for God's realm of truth, of his realm of righteousness, his realm of purity, his realm of joy, ineffable glory. Now listen, darkness stands for this world of error, for evil, For ignorance, for wickedness, and abode of the lost. Listen, light may be an attribute of God beyond the understanding of fleshly eyes. God clothes himself in light. Begins to read Psalms 104 and 2. God dwells in light unapproachable. We can read about it in 1st Timothy 6 and 16 the father of light is one of God's names, and we can find that in James 1 and 17 listen we have completed the first chapter or the first letter of the epistle John we have completed first John listen they're very short books our epistles in the Bible, we have completed, listen, John talked about that we don't walk in the light or well, if we, we, if we proclaim ourselves to have communion with God and we walk in darkness, we are deceiving ourselves. We are liars and the truth ain't in us. Is how the King James version reads. So when we proclaim to be In communion with God, we must find ourselves walking in light. We cannot do the things of darkness. We cannot do the things of evil. We cannot walk in evil, in other words. We cannot do the things that are contrary to the word of God and consider ourselves in communion with God. Because John is telling us straightforward. If we do do these things, then we are lying to our own selves. We are lying. And listen, John was directing this epistle toward the Gnostics who say, you know, you know, the the flesh and the spirit are two separate entities. The spirit is, you know, is is good, is blissful, is joyful, and, and no doubt going to be with the Lord. But the flesh. Can do whatever it wants. It can, uh, sin. It can fornicate. It could be cottages. It could be have jealousy. It could be whatever. An idol It can have idols. It can do whatever. But John is shutting it down right here. Listen. You can't, there, there is no separation. You can't put One on one end and one on the other end. One is holy and righteous and good and going to be with the Lord and the other can do whatever is big enough to do. Commit evil in all forms and all fashions. No, it does not work like that. And John is standing on this belief or this false teaching with two feet. Listen, this is false teaching. And if you believe it, You are lying to your own self. Come on, John. Come on, John. I'm loving it. I'm loving the word we are gleaning from the epistle of John. And we want to see what John has to tell us. No, we cannot walk in darkness and be in communion with God the Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Listen, thank you for listening to Sister Allie Cat. I am Allison C. Hope I am your Hope Come on somebody I want you to like, comment, follow, share And follow this ministry On all of the social media Platforms Search for Light in Darkness L I T. Search for Sister Allie Katz T Search for Allison C. Hope And you will Find us Come on, somebody, and when I say us, I mean the my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, along with myself, along with God the Father. Amen and amen. Thank you again for listening to Sister Allie Cat's T, where we talk about all things church-related. And I love you, and I will talk to you very soon.